This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We have many goals as we learn methods for transforming the psyche. In addition to our primary goals of empowerment, freedom, and enlightenment, or awakening, we need to add clearing karma. Karma is unprocessed, undigested experience, old patterns of behavior, beliefs that are interfering with current functioning, items in memory that are not resolved, relationships that ended badly and were not completed, any leftover baggage that you pull along with you. Karma takes you out of your full creative presence and separates you from your true self and your soul awareness, which is whole, loving, and compassionate, awake, and enlightened. Karma is anything that separates you from your true self or causes you to separate from others or stops you or brings up fear or anger or causes you to react instead of respond. Your mind is your digestive system for your experience. Your digestive system separates out the useful components of the food you eat for integration into your body. Then it excretes what is not useful, unhelpful, dangerous, or toxic. Your mind naturally functions to digest your experiences, integrate what's useful, learn lessons, build your intelligence, ultimately create wisdom, and let go of all the rest. However, your mind's digestive system can fail to work optimally, just as your body's digestive system can fail. Karma will bloat and constipate your mind spirit, just as accumulated unprocessed stuff will do that in your gut. If you digest the leftover stuff and learn whatever lesson it has for you, you make psychological and spiritual progress. If you don't, it will continue to bring you the same kinds of experiences again and again until you process it fully. Your job is to hunt for those beliefs that are no longer useful to you. When you clear them, you get back energy. The energy you've been using to ignore them, resist them, and keep them buried in your subconscious mind. Get rid of the stuff you don't need anymore. You will become lighter, brighter, wiser, and more loving. Who doesn't want that? Valeria interviews Lion Goodman. He is the author of Clear Your Beliefs, Clear Your Clients' Limiting Beliefs, Menlightenment, a book for awakening men, The Narcissism Primer, The Heart of Healing, co-author with Deepak Chopra, Dean Ornish, and others, and Creating on Purpose, The Spiritual Technology of Manifestation, co-authored with Anadia Judith, Ph.D., Lion Goodman is founder of the Clear Beliefs Institute of Trauma-Informed Therapeutic Coaching with graduates in 45 countries. He has had 40 years' experience as a transformational coach, healer, and teacher. 
His Clear Beliefs methodology is designed to delete limiting beliefs, childhood wounds, and traumas from the core of the psyche. Lyon has taught workshops on four continents, and his writings have been widely published in books, magazines, and websites. Clients and students report profound transformation from his work, freeing them to be happier and more successful. Meet Lyon at liongoodman.com, clearyourbeliefs.com, and clearbeliefs.com. Here's the interview with Lyon Goodman. In your own words, who is Lion Goodman as of now? I am a multidimensional being, having multidimensional experiences constantly and working hard to sort it all out, learn everything I can, and to uh, become the best human being I can be. Mm. Wow, you said a lot there. <laughs> Already many questions come to me, becoming the best human being. What is the, the visuals or the vision for that? What is to be a good, the best human being we can be? I read a lot of history and try to understand who we are through history. And my favorite history to study is Aristotle and his view of the virtues. Uh, the virtues are the qualities that allow us to be happy. Uh, he used the Greek word eudaimonia, which actually means flourishing. So how do we flourish as human beings? What does a flourishing life look like? And it, the qualities of the virtues are those actions and practices that we put in to that make us happy and that make others happy and that make a happy community. So it's not just personal gain or personal pleasure, but rather a more communal uh, action so all of the things that we love people to express, courage, happiness, uh, uh, compassion, love, brilliance, you know, these are all qualities that uh, make us the best we can be and make the best environment we can make with other people. Mm -hmm. Yes, it really resonates true to me. The idea of happiness is a bit abstract to me, per se. Yeah, I would say abstract. It might be because I think about happiness as being present to what is present, being at peace with what is happening, exactly the way it is happening. I guess that's my definition for happiness. Maybe when, when you mentioned that, then it kind of made me think about my own meaning. But then we all have different meanings. We all think differently. And a lot of people kind of associate happiness with pleasure. That might be not the, the type of happiness that you're referring to. So to clarify, Lion, what is happiness? How do you define happiness for yourself? Well, my definition for myself may have nothing to do with anyone else. Mm -hmm. I think we each have to find that place in ourselves that is our own true happiness. Right. Uh, as you said, peace is a beautiful place to be for those who seek peace, mm -hmm. especially for those who are in trauma or, mm -hmm. or in war mm -hmm. or in you know, difficult situations. Uh, for other people, uh, pleasure and creating pleasure for others is of value. I mean, our values are the virtues that we prioritize, uh, and we all have our own priority system. Now, the ego, uh, which is primarily oriented towards self, uh, that can 
create personal happiness, but the things you do that create harm or uh, difficulty for others would not be considered a virtue. (laughs) That would be considered a vice. So Mm. I'm going to go be a hedonist and get all the pleasure I can. And regardless Mm. of whether it hurts other people or not, that is not happiness. That's, that's the vice of hedonism. So uh, each person has to find that themselves for an artist. Creativity Mm. is what brings happiness because they're creating something new. Uh, A dancer is movement and expression. So each person has to find their own particular virtues that work. We call them signature virtues uh, that work for them so that they can create their own happiness and happiness for others. Mm, yes, yes. It's it's very clear to me. That makes a lot of sense to me, and, and that's how, how I navigate this reality. Right. So that sense of purpose, mission, calling, as some say, it's connected to this sense of personal happiness, from what I see, in my case, has been. There's something else that you mentioned when I asked you the question of who you are, multidimensional being, you said, I am multidimensional being. So how do we understand with the rational mind, the past and the future? When we, like in this case, the way you describe yourself, that means that you are everywhere at the same time. That's what it (laughs) comes across. (laughs) So yeah, talk to me about that for a moment. Well, when I think about the dimensions of being human, uh, the classic four are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Those are four dimensions, but we're also energetic beings. We're also relational beings. Uh, We're also temporal beings. We have presence and we carry our past with us and we have potential futures. Uh, We also are uh, karmic beings. We have Mm -hmm. a past that goes beyond this life. We're also social and cultural beings, and we have all of our learnings from how we grew up and our our own history uh, that designs, in large part, who we are and how we respond to life. So um, I've been studying our dimensions for my whole life, and it feels good to be able to say, I am a multiplicity. (laughs) I I am many aspects, and, and each aspect has its own contribution that I can make in myself and to others. So when we narrow that down and say, I'm just a rational being, well, it's great to be rational, but (laughs) if you're missing out on the emotionality of life or the spirituality of life, Mm. uh, it's going to be a pretty limited life that you're living. Right. This is an interesting conversation. I remember asking that question. I think one of my guests said said to me, let's talk about life as being life itself how wonderful it is to be alive. So, and that kind of paused me because, as you said, we we live in different realities. So some of us are very aware of different realities that we came. And actually, even without being conscious about, that's exactly how it works. We are caught in a reality of of the mind in the sense of memories or traumas, responding to traumas or on what's happening now, but in a limited way, not being able to see what is here or seeing what is here, perhaps not the full picture or the, the, the entire picture of what is here. That's such a fascinating idea. Life itself, kind of realizing itself and, and seeing itself 
But how far can we go with that? How much can we really see? Just to mention, the topic of our conversation today is self-realization beyond karma, beliefs, and the mind to the true self. And I also want to mention that you have written four e-books and two physical books. I want to mention them. Clear Your Beliefs, Clear Your Clients' Limiting Beliefs, Men Enlightenment book for awakening men, and then another one, uh, the narcissism primer, and the heart of healing, creating on purpose. Did I miss any books? Any new ones, Lion? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one in preparation, but it's not out yet, and that's really my uh, my entire everything I know about beliefs and how they work. Uh, that will probably come out next year. Yeah, wonderful. I guess uh, to start a conversation on the topic of self-realization, karma, the mind, to give the audience a clear picture of, let's say, the before and after, if possible, if if you're open to share, how was your life before the understanding that you have today? How did that change? Well, it's hard to say before and after because my life has been a continual Mm. evolution and growth and expansion. I can't remember a time when there was a before after. There was a before I was shot and almost killed and after. That was a pretty significant event. Uh, um, But but that expanded me as well. It expanded my awareness and my consciousness, being out of body and believing I was going to die and then not dying. That was a significant event that... Uh, expanded me way beyond what I had previously known, even though I had studied consciousness and studied psychology and physiology and all the rest in college. So um, so if I see it as a constant evolution, I would say that the thing that I've gained is the ability to see from other perspectives. Right. Uh, we generally see from behind our eyes you know, our, mm-hmm. or our own experience. Uh, but when we can walk in someone else's shoes, when we can try on their beliefs or see through their eyes, through their belief system, feel what they're feeling and understand what they're feeling and why, that is an expansion that allows us to have compassion, that allows us mm-hmm. to see more widely, experience more widely. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. I, uh, I, One of the things I teach is how to try on other people's beliefs. Uh, yeah. And so... Uh, uh, having been raised Jewish, I never had a uh, belief in Jesus. So I tried on the belief, Jesus is Lord. Those who believe will go to heaven and those who do not will go to hell. Now, that's a belief I never would have thought of having, right. <laughs> having not been raised a Christian. Yeah. But I tried it on. <laughs> I just tr- I said, <laughs> okay, I'm going to experience this, <laughs> like trying on clothing at a clothing yeah. store. And what I immediately saw th- when I tried on that belief mm. was I saw people who were going to go to hell, and all I wanted to do was save them. Mm. And that compassion was something I had never yeah. seen before in proselytizing. Mm. I realized, oh, there's a really positive, beautiful, mm. and virtuous quality mm. to those people who want to convert you and turn you into a Christian so that you're saved. Mm. Uh, and so that's an example of trying on a, a point of view that you never had before mm. in order to understand it, grow in compassion, grow in understanding. Wow, that's a good one. Yes, about being able to. Understand that's also called empathy, right, Lion? I think that's the word that's used. Yes, and we have these neurons called mirror neurons, which are built in our uh, to our system so that we can actually experience and feel what other people feel. It's just that most people get caught in their ego and forget 
to do that. So it, the capacity is there for all of us. Yes, yes. That's wonderful to know. It's uh, it, it offers hope, although I don't like to use that word that much, but I guess we it's useful now. So the idea of hell made me think about suffering. So when you talk about compassion, is that the purpose to ease other people's suffering in our own suffering? Yeah, that is the, well, compassion, I think, serves both people. It serves uh, us who are compassionate. It serves the person who's suffering because it aligns us. It allows us to get close to the suffering, to understand, uh, you know, the Buddha said life is suffering. What he meant is it's filled with suffering. It's not all suffering, but we have to have the ability to suffer uh, completely and wholly not push it away, but to recognize that, yeah, we're all suffering. There's a great mm. saying, you know, be kind mm. for each person you meet is fighting a great battle. Mm. Yes. Uh, and that's where compassion comes in, where we can say, okay, I yeah. recognize that you, like me, yeah. uh, are fighting a great battle, mm. and you, like me, mm. have suffered, and you, like me, are the same sort of being who has feelings and thoughts and experiences in the past. Mm. So we are the same. We are the same being, and by huddling together mm. we can make each other feel better it's it's a it's part of communing yes. uh and you see monkeys in the troop you know picking fleas off each other yeah. and stroking each other it, it's yeah. probably based in that of like we feel better by having someone close to us who says i'm like you mm. uh, i belong mm. to you we are part of the same tribe mm. yes how oh, beautiful Yes, yeah. This is one of the main messages of Vedanta. I'm a student of Advaita Vedanta. So it's everything's one reality, so non-dual, which changes everything. I cannot even say, yeah, it changes everything, the perception yeah, of ourselves and others. A question that came to mind, oh, yes. So, gosh, I have so many questions about compassion. Yeah, when you, when you talk about seeing others, and we know that they are suffering, even those who are causing pain. Let's say what's happening now, all the wars, you know, that are inflicting pain on others. So what are we to see? Because we can't really, like you and I, for example, we can't really do much about it in a sense of what am I to see? What are you to see, Lion, in this situation? What has become clear to you? This is where an understanding of reincarnation comes in for me. And it's, it's not something I believe. It's just a model of understanding human beings that, that is useful. And for me, when I look at someone who is uh, a king or a, or a leader who's creating suffering for other people, I recognize that in the you know, million years of human history, I have been a king creating war mm. for other people. Mm. Uh, for people I see in poverty, mm. I have been in poverty. I've experienced that. Mm. So this is another way of looking at the fact that we're all the same. We're all related. We're of one mind. Mm. And that mind has glories and it has terrible parts to it as well. And so how do we live knowing that? Um, if I recognize my own harm that I've caused in my life, then I can have compassion for someone who has created harm. It doesn't excuse the, excuse the harm at right, all, right. but it, it, it puts you in the best position to know how to respond 
to the harm that is happening. Mm. So, mm. you know, if I if I've been an abuser in the past, you know, I want to help those who are abusing because I know it's creating negative karma for them. It's creating harm not only for the the person they harm but for themselves as well. I met a Tibetan monk who had been uh, captured by the Chinese and tortured for four years. And he said, uh, the only thing I could think of while they were torturing me is how much karma they were accumulating and how sad that was. And so I was praying for their relief of the karma they were creating. Mm. Now that's yeah. compassion at a level that I don't think I can make, mm. but that's sort of the ultimate understanding that, hey, we're all mm. the same. And we all have great parts and we all have terrible parts and we have to just be kind because everybody's fighting a great battle. Mm, yes. Wow. Another beautiful and insightful answer from you. Yes. Yes. So for those who don't adopt the idea of karma as a belief system or even a concept, I wonder how, how do they navigate this reality or how could we without this understanding, realization, or even as a concept, karma. Yeah, you don't need to believe in past lives to understand karma. Karma means balance. And and you can think of your own past and think of, you know, when you harm someone else, uh, there's probably harm going to come back to you in some way. That's karma. A karma also means uh, things that, that have not been completed in the past. It's like all of the incomplete relationships we've had you know they're going to come back because the body wants to heal it wants to be in balance it wants right. to be healthy mm, and the yeah. only way to be healthy and yeah. to heal yeah. is to clear up the past so that you're not dragging it along with you anymore so if you've harmed someone in the past you're dragging that harm with you in your mind and you're you know and it's going to impact you it's just like an injury that hasn't healed Every time that part of your body is touched, you're going to feel the pain. So in order to heal, we need to clear up our own past. It doesn't matter how far past you go. It could be to yesterday. It could be to birth. It could be to a past life. It doesn't really matter. We've got stuff that has not been processed by our system. And every time we've not paid attention to something, it gets stuck and it has to be put somewhere. So a man who's angry but isn't able to express it in a healthy way, you know, may end up with a heart attack because he's suppressed all of that anger or pushed his harm down into his body to not feel it. And so part of our process that we teach is how to go back and feel the feelings that were not felt originally in order to process them. And once you feel them fully and completely, they can resolve. But anything not fully completed gets stuck somewhere in the system. And so uh, karma is also that all the experiences we've had that we didn't want to experience all of the resistance we've created inside ourselves, because that creates knots and binds and cords inside of us. So healing karma is as much healing your this life as it is any other life. Wow, because everything's connected. Yeah, it's one. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to Imagine, let's say this, how far it goes. You just mentioned karma has its imprints in the past. It could be yesterday, but it could be also the beginning of our lives as a child and also many lifetimes. And a lot of times you also mentioned not feeling the feelings, not wanting to experience what is happening. 
and a lot of times it happens unconsciously, so we are not re- really conscious of the all the repressed emotions. I just interviewed somebody about this recently. That he he's a scientist. He just found that to be true that the brain will hide those emotions so the person can survive that moment. And then later on, it could be 30 years from that, or who knows, maybe a different lifetime, it will come up again. So just looking from from that view, it doesn't seem fair in a way, right, Lion, that we are not even conscious or we don't even remember the cause. So would you say that it doesn't matter knowing the cause for for our suffering or karma? Or do we, in order to clear those, you call them, you interesting, you use the word karmic beliefs. So to release them, to clear them, do we have to go back and remember some of them? Or yes, yeah, that's the question. Yeah, in the clear beliefs method that I teach, uh, we do teach to go back to the original source of the experience. And sometimes people have, they've suppressed the same thing over and over and over uh, again. Yeah. Like a child has been beaten many times by the by the parents uh, will suppress and push down the experience because it was too overwhelming. This is what trauma is. It's an overwhelming experience that can't be handled. So we put it somewhere. And just as your scientist friend says, uh, you know, we have to put it somewhere. The question is, where does mm, it go? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, do we, do, mm. so one of the ways that we cannot experience something is by disassociating, by popping out of our body. Uh, or another way is to push it down into our body. Another way is to uh, basically turn it into action and not experience it, but to react and you know violently react to what's happening. So all of these are ways of not experiencing our experience. Uh, by going back to the experiential source, uh, we can find it, resolve it, and clear it. That's part of the principles of the clear beliefs method. Um, it's not absolutely necessary to know the cause we found, but and it does help. So it's it's a more complete clearing if we know the cause, uh, but you can clear things without knowing the cause. Okay, both ways. Do you use the hypnotherapy as one of the methods? No, no, I've, I've never been trained as a hypnotherapist, and our, our processes are all uh, conscious processes. We do use guided imagery, so close your eyes and imagine, uh, but we don't put people into trance, uh, and we don't tell the people what to believe either. A lot of hypnotherapists uh, tell people what they should believe. We allow people to create and to come up with what would they prefer to believe about themselves. This is where the true self comes in, because when those, when the positive, first by clearing the negative beliefs that are stuck in the system and clearing them out of the way, now you have open space in which to plant a new belief an affirmative belief, a positive and empowering belief. And when a person creates that in that clear space, it's coming from their true self. We help them get there. But that true self knows who the, who they want to be. They know who they want to be. They know how they want to be in life. And when they create the new belief from that place, then it is empowering to the true self. It, it does allow them to be more of who they are in their best version of themselves. Right. Yes, that also resonates true to me. Yeah, that's interesting to know that you don't work with hypnotherapy. That's not part of it because I have heard a lot about hypnotherapy, how it helps us access to the subconscious, the subconscious, not the unconscious. 
I thought it was the same thing, but actually it's not, right, Lion? What is your understanding of the subconscious and the unconscious? Well, subconscious just means below conscious, below the conscious minds, like submarine, right, below the water. Uh, so it goes pretty deep. It's like, how deep do you want to go? Do you want to go like 100 <laughs> feet down or do you want to go down to the Mariana Trench, which is miles down? Um, and, and there you'd better have the right equipment or you'll be crushed to death. Right? Oh, so the unconscious, uh, Carl Jung called it the collective unconscious. This is where my unconscious and your unconscious are actually connected and interact with each other and we're part of the same thing. So it's uh, sort of like that if you put your hand up and you look at your fingernails, that's the conscious mind. Your fingers are the subconscious mind and your hand, arm and body are the collective unconscious. So that's how I perceive it. Uh, but you know, these are just arbitrary words used to paint some paint a, uh, frame around very large concepts. Yes. I think they, they certainly overlap. Uh, what we find in our work is that whatever is in the subconscious or unconscious or even past lives, which we're totally unaware of, it still comes up in our process. And so we work with whatever comes up, no matter where it's from. Mm. Is that something that you have seen, perhaps even yourself, to be able to clear all these karmic beliefs? Or it, there's always something to be explored and investigated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if you uh, decide to be a Buddhist monk and you spend 20 or 30 years in a cave clearing out whatever was before you entered the cave, uh, you, you'd have a much better chance of clearing all your beliefs. The problem is, is that mo most of our beliefs are relational. Okay. So a monk could come out of the uh, cave enlightened, but then they bump into someone and they go, hey, why did you that? They get and suddenly realize that, they, that they, they cleared their own stuff, yeah. but they didn't clear all the relational stuff mm. that we have in our lives. Mm. Uh, so uh, I think it's a forever project personally because, well, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a true story. So I was doing a shamanic journey. And uh, all the people around me were really struggling with, you know, stuff from their past. And I was feeling really good. And I thought to myself, wow, I've done so much work. I guess I've, I guess I've cleared everything. And I immediately heard a voice that said, good, now you can begin to clear your million past lives. <laughs> oh, and I went, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So, so uh, that was, <laughs> that was a quick, a quick uh, bring down from my, my uh, ego, egotistical view mm. of uh, how, how enlightened I was at the moment. Wow. Uh -huh. Wow, that's, yeah, that's very insightful again. Yes, yeah, the forever project, the forever path. Yes, it feels that way to me. I... I mentioned off record, and I think we talked about this before. I'm a student of Vedanta, and that's my, for some reason, that's what resonates with me. When I came across that spiritual philosophy, it's a Hindu philosophy for those who don't know, uh, it's it just something in me said, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is it. And I don't know what it's what it was it for, but it. the more I explored that path, that knowledge, the more I feel complete, that sense of wholeness just sets in. And whatever it's done through this body-mind, it's just, it's, it's just an experience. It's just an appearance of in me because my realization is that I am, I'm not the experience, but I, I am what that spa space in which experiences appear. 
So that becomes very clear from time to time during the day, but it's not, it's not constant because sometimes I have, we have the tendency, those who, who are non-dualists to interact with, uh, with the experience that in a sense to become the experience, which feels very much that, that there's no separation anyway between consciousness and matter. So from that perspective, it's just so this idea of karma believes it feels very distract for lack of a better word. It just doesn't doesn't seem to resonate anymore. And I'm trying to I have these conversations here all the time and I love them. But for some reason, some of them I, I get to kind of <laughs> bring my own experiences into it and kind of dance with them, the experiences that I'm having in the moment or have had a few days ago. And then we, we just talk about these, you know, about the, the topics here. But when it comes to this idea of karma, past lives, and there's some, it's just um, something happened and it's, something has dissolved and it, it feels like something in me has freed itself from the idea even of the past, the future. And it's always, and it's, it's, so, it's, it's here and it was never not here. That's a beautiful point of view. The, the, the non-dual view that it's all one, that's a really great place to land. Uh, but then you have to get up and take care of the kids <laughs> or then you have to get up and go to work. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to, you know, get get a podcast guest to come mm-hmm. show up, and you know, so uh, it's it's an excellent place to meditate from. It's an excellent mm-hmm. place to hang out and be as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very useful when you have kids to feed, uh, because then if if it was all one, then it's uh, oh well, the kids will our kids and they will somehow find food and they will live their own lives and they might suffer and die. Oh well, it's all one anyway. So that's the downside of the the oneness, non-dual perspective. Uh, I think it's a great vision, a great uh, position to come from. And I think there's more. I think it's it's one of many states of consciousness that should be explored mm-hmm. and understood because every time you explore a new point of view, mm-hmm. you expand yourself. So uh, I, I know a few uh, non-dualists who uh, have the philosophy uh, non-dual is good and dual is bad, which is kind of uh, ridiculous when you think about it. So, right, so, right. Uh-uh. so uh, no. if you think of it as one state of consciousness among many, mm. uh, go enjoy it for a while. Uh, mm. It's just like sitting in nature, sitting next to a tree and, mm. and feeling the tree. That's a beautiful thing. But would you want to stay there your whole life? Uh, you know, it, it depends on your own purpose. Mm. I think the understanding you have of uh, non-duality might be yeah, that it's some people who express themselves that way. It's one reality, it's oneness, and they, you know, let's just live at peace and be together and sing and dance. <laughs> oh no, it's not not how I. That's how, not how I interact with that understanding. Well, tell me more. Yeah, it's a realization, and it it just makes. From my experience, being the experience here now, it's it's just makes it everything lighter in a sense of more playful. That's has been my experience. That's a good thing. Yeah. So it's not really that's not real. It's just not as real as we think it is. 
I can agree with that. That's a good. That's a good place to come from. Yeah, right. And, and I know what you're saying, Lion, uh, beautifully too. I love that. Not ending anywhere because there's no destination in destinations anyway. So, what are you um, guiding us to understand and think that always be open, which is another beautiful tool to have per se skill to be open. Yeah, and explore. I I think of life as a grand exploration if you treat it that way. And there's so many dimensions to explore. There's so many relationships to explore, so many creations to explore. Uh, I I just love exploring. I'm an explorer (laughs) at heart. So uh, so I'm I'm kind of addicted to exploring. (laughs) We we can talk about the addictive mind, but uh, I'm definitely addicted to exploring and expanding. Yes. You see, that's that's the, the mind of, um, seems, sounds like a mind of a scientist, right? And also spiritual seekers, the true ones. It's all about exploration, investigation. And we're all looking for the truth, if there is one, <laughs> somewhere hidden. To me, it's so clear these days that there's nothing really hidden, that we are what we are looking for. Oh, that, I like that. And, and there, are, there are truths, plural. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're looking for one truth, you're going to be big disappointed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, more than one, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love the idea that there might be <laughs> a fundamental truth, you know, that one which resonates with me, which is the non-dual that there's basically one essence, there's one substance for everything that it is perceived, imagined, experienced, one essence. So that changes everything, though, because the mind now tends to think differently when it, the eyes look at something. Even when I think about the memories of, that seems to be from the past, they're still here, so they're very much present <laughs> in, in all these, you know, reactions, triggers, whatever it is, the bodily sensations and all. So all that, the essence of, of all that, it's, it's one which, uh, you know, I would say pure consciousness, but I'm not anymore afraid of the word God. So it's um, basically everything's in God. Everything's happening in God. Not that every that God's in everything, so we kind of reverse that. Everything's happening in God. Everything is in God. So that also kind of I don't know. The mind thinks differently. There's a difference between I really feel that way these days. Thoughts and even intuitive thinking. Some people call it inspiration that comes from the thinking mind and pure consciousness. I feel that's. There's something about freedom in a sense of everything is free to be expressed as it is. There's a very deep level of acceptance. Yeah, that's a beautiful point of view. I, I love it. Um, and in addition, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> when, when you wake up in the morning and you have kids to feed and uh, work to go to, it, it's hard to remember that. You know, it's uh, it's great if you can, <laughs> but the fact is, is that we also have egos, and egos have their own agenda, mm. uh, and the ego has its needs as well, and it's part of that one everything as well. Mm. But it's it's not built the same as the one essence. It's built on different principles. It has different functional principles that it operates on, and so that is another aspect of ourselves that we can appreciate, 
uh, we can remember that it's not real. Those are all good things to do. And yet we need it and we need to forget that we're all one and get the kids fed and get them off to school and go to work. So uh, it's a complex life. We're complex beings. We're multidimensional beings. And the, the dimension of that spiritual point of view is one of a, one beautiful dimension. And it's only one. There's lots of other dimensions. There's the chemical dimension and the atomic dimension and the quantum dimension and the relational dimension. And each one has its own principles that it operates on. And so by learning these principles, you can actually make use of it optimally. Uh, if you ignore it and say it's all one, it's not real, you're not going to be very successful in life. And uh, and so success in life as a human being is different than being an enlightened uh, monk in a cave or even an enlightened woman who does podcasts. So, mm, <laughs> so, um, so uh, anyway, I, I deeply appreciate your point of view, mm. and it is a beautiful space. It's a beautiful point of view. Uh, I just I see it as more mm, complex. Mm, yes, right. Yeah, there's no pushing away of the multiplicity and complexities of of life, of, of the many realities that are here. But yeah, remembering that there is one, it's one essence, it really helps. It has been Absolutely. Yeah, my experience. Absolutely. But, but the key is to remember, right? <laughs> if, when we forget, then it is, it becomes yeah, more, yeah, it's, it's more, let's say challenging to navigate certain realities, especially the relationship ones. Yes, you, you're absolutely correct. And the word remember means to bring together parts again. Mm. So we get split up yeah. and then we remember, we take the members and we bring them back together. So that is a, uh, that is a true thing that we're remembering. We're bringing all of our parts back so that we can own who we are, be who we are, be free, be, be beautiful, be all that we can be. Uh, and there's so many things we can be. So, uh, becoming your true self to me is all of that remembering, bringing all those pieces back together to live the best life in the incarnation that you're gifted with. So let's uh, let's celebrate. Yeah, that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let's celebrate that for sure, Lion. Yes, and just want to mention here that because I am a student of Vedanta and I don't wanted to get that message. So they don't use the word remember. They're here because you use the word forget. But the word is knowledge, I know. But is, there's no I to it. There's just this realizing what one already is, it has been. So it's almost like, it's the cessation of ignorance. We're not ignoring what is true. Yeah, I, I love uh, joking about spirituality. And so my favorite saying is, if, if there is no I, whose hip pain is this? <laughs> yes, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just the pain. <laughs> there's just, maybe there's the hip too. <laughs> there's just the legs and then the pain. I think some Zen, right? Some Zen Buddhists, they, they speak that way. They have some of um, this beautiful way of saying that there's just the pain. There's just the dance. When we say, oh, there's a dance of life, I am. I'm dancing with life. And at some point, you just realize that there's just the dance. Yes. The only dance there is. Yeah, there's just everything moving, appearing, disappearing. There's just nothing else. 
Well, that's a different conversation, I guess. Let's go back to your work within the the realms of karma belief systems. Yeah, you mentioned very beginning, you talk about we have many goals as we learn methods for transforming the psyche. And you say, in addition to our primary goals of empowerment, freedom, enlightenment, or awakening, we need to add clearing karma, which has been the topic of this conversation. So, and that was the question I think I asked you earlier about the before and after. What would that look like to clear everything and finally, but include the word, the word freedom here, which is interesting. Because one of the things that for some reason, if there was a word that would resonate with me from that level, the thinking level still, it's love, freedom, being one and the same. I don't separate that. You didn't include the word love here, but... What would love be, or the expressions of love? How would you describe the expression of love within this realm of clearing karma? Um, for me, love and healing go together. Uh, that when we love, when a child falls down and hurts themselves, uh, we pick them up, we hold them, and we say, yes, I know you're suffering. I'm so sorry you're suffering. And I'm here with you. I'm not going away. And uh, I'll be here with you and, and we'll get back up on the bike and go again when you're ready. Right? That's a loving act. It's a healing act because it allows the child to experience their experience, the pain, suffering, without making it all better. Uh, when I was a child, uh, I was probably three or four years old, I, I was running around the house and I ran into a wall and fell down. And I was crying and my grandmother came up and hit the wall and she said, bad, bad wall. And I looked at her and I realized this is nuts. (laughs) She is really, she is way out of, out of reality here because I ran into the wall, but she's blaming the wall. So, so, uh, you know, she was trying to, to make it better in some way, Mm. rather than allowing me to have the suffering and the realization that maybe I should watch where I'm going. So healing uh, Mm. is a loving act and loving is a healing act Mm. for me. And so when I provide uh, an opportunity for people to clear their past, clear the things that are stuck in them, um, my goal is to heal them and that I'm loving them by doing that. I'm being there for them during a healing process and allowing them to have their own experience fully and completely and then guiding them toward a healing process. So the body wants to heal. The mind wants to heal. There's a kind of urge toward healing built into our system. And so I'm really there as a facilitator of that process because we carry a lot of stuff from the past that didn't get digested properly. It's sort of like, you know, not having a poop for 20 years, you're going to be be kind of stuck up. So so, uh, we we offer the ability to to clear those things that got stuck that that the person's carrying around with them and is interfering with their life with the free flow of energy. So when we clear a past trauma, for example, it opens up the energy that was being used to keep the trauma hidden. Uh, And now suddenly there's an open pipe where there was once a crimped pipe or closed pipe. So that's all the same to me, whether we call it healing or love or clearing or awakening. Uh, And there's many paths and many ways of doing it. I've just collected my favorite ones and put it together into a process I could teach to others. Right, right. Wow, what a beautiful work you do, Lion. And 
within the exploration of experiences and karma, even karma, bringing this idea back. It, it's a, it's a, I think it, it started in, in India, didn't it? This term karma. Do you know how? Yes, it's a Sanskrit word. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and ultimately it means balance. It means if you push the lever, if you push the, the, uh, uh, something one way, it's going to swing back the other way and find its balance point, right? So if you create negative uh, experiences for people, you're going to have negative experiences until you recognize that it's not a good idea to create negative experiences for other mm. people. So that's that's the idea of karma. And, yeah. So in a sense, it's, it, it is scientific, isn't it? Because when I entertain a thought that's a negative one, it doesn't feel good in the body. Something, it's almost like a cloud just sets in. And so it, it's, it easy, can be easily, in a way, experienced in, in, in terms of evidence. I know that's not scientifically, it's, it's not something that the scientific community would entertain the, the idea. Some of them do. Well, sci scientists uh, have never been able to open up the brain and find consciousness anywhere right. or thought right. or feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, they can see it moving in an MRI scan. They can see the brain moving, but they can't open up the brain and find it anywhere. So it's a very complex relationship between the brain and mind. We work with experience because experience is something everybody has access to. Uh, we don't we don't change our neurons. We change our experience. We don't change our brains. We change our experience. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, I'm sure the brain changes. But I studied neurology back in the 70s. So uh, I'm certainly aware of it. But uh, there's a lot of neuroscientists who say the, the brain creates consciousness. I, I don't believe that. I haven't found it to be true. I think, if anything, consciousness creates brains. Uh, but in any case, the uh, the use of when we bring together uh, loving experiences for people and they're able to heal, uh, we're opening up, as I said, freedom to be themselves. And then each person gets to express themselves their true self beautifully and openly in the world and the world benefits from that everybody's got a gift to give to the world we're designed for that we're, we wouldn't incarnate otherwise uh, we came here to do something to express something to teach something to share something and so uh, we just want each person to find that thing their true purpose to express their true self in the world to make the world a better place, because we got some big problems in the world. Um, if we all sat around and and uh, meditated and waited for uh, bags of money to fall on our head because we're doing affirmations, not much is going to happen. The world takes action, and so we encourage people to engage in action to fulfill their dreams, not just sit around and think about them. Mm, wow, I love that. <laughs> What's not to love about that? Thank you so much, Lion, for being you being open oh. to this experience, complex experience called life. <laughs> uh, that Thank you, Valeria. truly beautiful. So I want to mention your services. I mentioned your books earlier. I'll have the links to on this podcast notes. And then uh, your services, see if I get, if I have all of them here, the Clear Your Beliefs program. And then you also have, um, you also offer Clear Beliefs Method, which is a trauma-informed therapeutic training for professionals around the world. 
And there is also a personal and executive coaching that you do personally. It, it seems to me, a one-on-one, it seems to me. So yes. did I mention, did I include everything? Yeah, but, uh, that's the, my services are available as well as my articles and, and blogs and that kind of thing on liongoodman.com. And then people who want to get their beliefs cleared can go to clearyourbeliefs.com. And those interested in learning how we clear beliefs and how to how to get the training, that's at clearbeliefs.com. So those are the three websites. Oh, wonderful. I'll have those three links here on the podcast notes as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Lion, for your presence. And gosh, I would love to talk to you again. Uh, so let me see if I ask, I'll ask you this question. I know it might go back to the same messages, um, beautiful message that you have been saying, but I'll ask you anyway. You're probably asked before as well. What experiences do you wish everyone to have before they die, before they lose the body? Good question. Uh, one of the sayings I learned from the shamans I studied with is, yeah, I want to get out of here alive. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> I, I want to be fully alive yeah, when I die. I uh, and having had a near-death experience, you know, I get to be alive mm. again. Um, I would say that the the one thing I would want everyone to experience is their true self expressing itself in the world. Mm. Like that would make a better world if mm. everyone had the freedom, the tools, mm. the the ability to create from their true self mm. in the world. And that would create a better world for everyone. Ah, wow. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A billion times to that. Yeah. Thank you again, Lion. Um, and we'll talk soon. Wow. Take good care of your beautiful self. Thank you, Valeria. You too. And blessings to you and to all of your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now, Lion. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lion Goodman and his work, please visit liongoodman.com, clearyourbeliefs.com, and clearbeliefs.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.